1: Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Proverbs chapter 9. That's where we are today. We're continuing in our series, The Way of Wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9 is where we'll land today. We're looking at very practical, very down-to-earth advice from the book of Proverbs. Here's the key concept for today. There is wisdom in receiving advice and correction. There is wisdom in receiving advice and correction. Proverbs chapter 9. So let me ask you, how does it feel when you know you're about to receive advice and correction? What happens to you? The hairs on the back of your head, back of your neck start to stand up a little bit. You get a little nervous, a little defensive. See, here's the thing, none of you are going to like this sermon because in our natural state, just the way we are, without the aid of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we, we push back against advice and correction. But we all need to receive it, and there are moments when we need to give it. Advice and correction. Let me tell you a story about a, an aging pastor who was meeting with his elder board. And as they were getting going, starting the meeting, an angel appeared in the conference room where the, where the elder board was. And the angel looked at that pastor and said, Pastor, God is pleased with your work for him over the years, and he wants to give you a gift. And, Pastor, you can choose between what gift he's going to give you. Choose between the gift of limitless wealth, infinite wisdom, or unmatched physical good looks. Which would you choose? Well, the pastor didn't know what to choose. He was kind of kind of confused, taken back by the moment, and, and so he asked the elders sitting around the conference table, what, what do you think I should choose? And to a person, every one of those elders advised him to take infinite wisdom. So that's what he asked for. He asked for infinite wisdom. The angel said, so be it, and all of a sudden disappeared, and the pastor sat there with a little bit of a glow around him, and everybody was quiet for a while. And finally, one of the elders spoke up, and he said, Pastor say something. What's the first insight that you have now that you have infinite wisdom?" And the pastor opened his eyes and said, I should have taken the money. (laughs) But he took the advice of the elders. We're going to assume for the moment that the advice that we're talking about throughout this message is good advice. Advice that's needed and advice advice that's given to us from a a spirit of love and, and faithfulness towards us. We need to be able to give and take good advice. If you live long enough, you're going to be in both of those categories. You're going to be in the category of somebody who needs to receive advice and who is put in the place to give advice. So let's read about it from Proverbs chapter 9, starting in verse 7. It says this, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult." Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. Let's set the stage here for a moment because here in this passage we meet once again another one of these recurring characters throughout the book of Proverbs. The mocker. Your translation may, may use the word scoffer. That's also uh, a translation there. Who is this person? Well, at minimum, this person is a prideful person. Bottom line, this person is one of those people who's a, like, kind of a know-it-all. Now, Have you met people like that? They seemingly just give off this impression of just knowing everything. You know, no one is, is above them. They, they feel that they're superior to everybody else. That's the bottom line of this scoffer. But more than that, this is a person who is set against the wisdom that God would offer. In verse 7, the parallelism is the mocker is paralleled with the wicked man. This person is against even God's wisdom, good wisdom that God would give. And the mocker shows up again and again throughout the book of Proverbs, just like the sluggard date a couple of weeks ago, we talk about the sluggard, a recurring character. That person is sinfully lazy. Well, this person is sinfully prideful and not able to receive insights from anybody else. And it's not about intellect. It's not about brains. He's not talking about a dumb person. It's a, an attitude, an attitude that is cynical and not willing to receive what anybody else gives. If I don't think of it, it's not a good idea kind of attitude, even if God is the one who's giving me the ideas. And they have influence over the naive and influence over the impressionable. But for the most part, the majority of people, after spending a little time with this person, sees them for what they are. Proverbs 24.9, he shows up again. The schemes of a fool are sinful. Everyone despises a mocker. The mocker is the opposite of the one who the the book of Proverbs is saying is able to get hold of wisdom. And that begins with the fear of the Lord. That verse that we saw in chapter 1 is repeated here in verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But the mocker is opposite of that, different than that. Doesn't believe that they need the insights that the Lord would give them or anyone else. Perfectly. Satisfied with themselves. Now, the fact of the matter is, we all like to be around people who agree with us. All of us like to be with folks who kind of nod when we nod and say yes to our ideas, maybe even praise us a little bit. No one goes out of their way to be with people who are constantly being critical. That kind of we don't we don't seek that out. But the book of Proverbs is showing us a danger here. And the danger is that we begin to live our lives within what I'll call an echo chamber. We, we live our lives inside a, a relational circle with only those people who already agree with us. And so we're never challenged to think a new thought. We never look at anything from a new perspective or challenged to grow in that way. It's a dangerous way to live. We need correction in life. Jeremiah knew that. Jeremiah 10, 24, he writes, Correct me, Lord, but only with justice, not in your anger, lest you reduce me to nothing. There's a proper balance that's needed there. We need to be open to correction, but when the correction comes, it can't be angry, wrathful correction, but but rather in justice, in fairness, and in love. But a humble willingness to be corrected is something that needs to be a part of all of us, and we need to instill it in our children and in our grandchildren early on. I remember once I was at a baseball field. There was no games going on. It was behind a school, and it was obvious that this field was used for Little League games. In fact, I know that. I see the Little League games quite a bit. But I was on the field, and no one else was there, and I walked behind the, the home plate area where the, where the chain-link fence was, and there was a sign attached to the chain-link fence, and this is what it said. It said, a child that is uncoachable will grow up to be an adult that is unemployable. I thought, boy, I wonder what kind of problems they're having here with these little league kids. <laughs> but it's a, it's a true statement. And we need to instill humility and a willingness to listen, a willingness to be coached. A wise person is influenceable. A wise person, when new facts are presented, is willing to change their mind and alter their point of view, to receive counsel, guidance, and advice. But the mocker is not that person. Listen to their reaction. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. There's advice here speaking to both giving and receiving of correction and advice. Be careful. Be wise, he's saying. Understand the clues and the cues that are out there for those people who are not going to receive your advice, even though lovingly given, who are not going to receive your counsel, even though it's right and correct and true. There are those who will not receive it, and there are clues that you can observe in people that will tell you if they're someone who will receive it or not. You know the clues, right? There are physical clues. The rolling of the eyes and the impatient body posture. There are verbal clues. The interruptions with things like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, whatever. That's a verbal clue. There are lifestyle clues, never getting around to putting into practice the good advice that is given and received. Those kind of clues are sing- uh, signals. This person is in this category, a mocker. Now if you listen carefully, you realize what I've just done is describe every one of us as a teenager. <laughs> that is exactly the teenager, right? kind of not receiving the advice, knowing better, verbally dismissive, kind of rolling the eyes. All of us have been there as teenagers. And it would be awful if we were, we were um, rejected as teenagers, we would never grow up to be mature and wise adults. Mark Twain once wrote these words, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to be around the man. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished with the progress that he made. We need to grow out of that adolescent pridefulness. But what the Proverbs are saying is that there are people around you who do not grow out of that. Just know that. There are people around you who get stuck there in that adolescent pridefulness and become unteachable. But the more we mature, the more we grow in humility. But the mocker doesn't. They're not willing to listen. They're not willing to learn and to grow. And the point that the, the, the Proverbs are making here is identify them and don't be them. Don't be the mocker. They will come back with defensiveness and insult when you seek to give them advice. And that defensiveness and that insult comes in all sorts of uh, ways. There's blame. Well, maybe I do need to change, but it's your fault. There's vindictiveness. If you say that again, I'll see you in court. There's comparison. Well, maybe I do have a problem, but you should see the guy down at the office. He's way worse. And ultimately, there's hatred. Do not rebuke a mocker, verse 8, or he will hate you. Don't be that and flee that. But on the other hand, there's the reaction of the wise to advice and correction. Let's read it. Verse 8, the second section. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning." The first thing is, he will love you. The response from a wise man to advice and correction will be love. In fact, he will love you even though being instructed and rebuked. I'll tell you what, I think that's a high standard. I think that's hard. I, I like to think of myself as a person who can learn from correction, from a person who can take advice and see another person's point of view. But I must admit, I find it hard to love the rebuker for the sake of the rebuke. Don't, don't raise your hands, but are you with me on that, some of you? We have to grow in this. We, we have to progress in this. Maybe down the line my perspective changes and I appreciate, but in the moment in my humanity, I find it hard to love the correction and the corrector. But I ought to, because it is an act of love when someone comes and gives me good, loving, godly advice. This is the This is a wise rebuke to a wise person, and a wise rebuke to a wise person has a double dividend. It pays dividends both ways. For the person who's being advised, they get to go down a better pathway. And for the person who's doing the advising, they ought to receive love back. But very often, that's not where we are in the way that we interrelate to people. Rebuke a wise man. It's the act of love, looking out for the best interest of somebody else. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. How many times have you heard advice, rebuke, correction from a friend, and in that moment the friendship was threatened because you don't believe that verse? It happens. It happens all around. It happens all the time. But we are the ones who need to break out of that pattern. Loving correction comes from a faithful person, a faithful brother or sister in the Lord or family member, somebody inside the circle of relationships that you label love. These are the people who love me. And when that comes, we should receive it with love. But it also has another side to it, and that means that not everyone has earned the right to give even well-meaning rebuke to everyone else. You can't just parachute into somebody's life and say, by the way, let me rebuke you now. It doesn't work that way. But there needs to be somebody in all of our lives, some person or persons from whom we will receive advice and correction. Somebody needs to be able to do that. And when it happens, it's time to test our attitude. Is our attitude, no one can tell me that I'm wrong? Is our attitude get away from me? Is our attitude you're you're against me, or or what? Because if those are the things that we respond with, even internally, we are in the category of the scoffer, the mocker, where we ought not to be. When a person who loves you dares to correct you, they are taking a big risk. They are risking rejection. They are taking a chance, and they're hoping that in this chance that they're taking, you will be better at being you. It's an act of love, and it ought to be received as love. A wise man does. Secondly, a wise person uh, is a person who uh, gains wisdom as they are advised. Look at verse 9, verse, the first person, instruct the wise man, and he will be wiser still. He's saying, invest your energies in teachable persons and be a teachable person. A truly wise person is wise enough to know, you know, I have a lot to learn. I have a long ways to go. There's a lot in me that still needs to be corrected, and I'm willing to have that worked on. I, rece- I, I, I read an article recently about a researcher. His name is Dr. Robert Good and he's a cancer researcher. What he does is he spends his time testing hypotheses in terms of what will be better at beating cancer. And and that's what he does all the time. By all accounts, a brilliant man. They wrote about his work. But one of the comments of a co-worker caught my attention in the article. His co-worker said this, Dr. Good never gets married to his hypothesis so he doesn't have to go through the pangs of divorce when he's proven wrong. I thought, boy, that's a good idea. Don't marry your opinions too early. It may lead to a painful divorce. And that hurts when it has to happen. See, here's a wisdom test. Would people around you say that you listen well to their points of view? Would people around you say that you're teachable when they bring a new thing to your attention? Would the people around you say that you gratefully receive being lovingly corrected? See, the test is not what you intend to do or what you wish to do, but the test is, how would the people around you actually answer those questions about you? The foolish man would rather be destroyed by compliments than saved by correction." Corey Temboon said this, "Our critics are the unpaid guardians of our soul. Receive and give advice and correction. So how do you do that? What's the? What's the method? Well, interestingly enough, back in the book of Exodus, in chapter 18, Moses, of all people, kind of the pinnacle leader of his time, Moses needs to receive correction. He's doing something in his leading of the nation that just is not the way to go. He's stretching himself so thin that he's really hurting his cause. And what he needs to do is he needs to mobilize other leaders around him so that they can come alongside of him, and the vital work that he's doing can get done, done in a multiplied way. That's the scene. And of all people, it is his father-in-law that comes to him to give advice, And the very first thing that his father-in-law does that the corrector, if you're in a role of being a corrector, needs to do, the very first thing is to ask clarifying questions. That's what Jethro does. He starts with a question. Exodus 18, 14 says this, Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Asking that clarifying question gave Moses a moment to think about what he was doing to think about why he's doing it, what are the reasons for that. And when we start to give correction, a clarifying question is important to kind of set the stage, not just come charging in. But if, even if Moses would have had a, a reason for what he's doing, Jethro had a point that he wanted to communicate. And so that brings us to the second hint in terms of how to be a good corrector. First ask clarifying questions, secondly be graciously frank. Have you ever had a conversation when you're trying to tell somebody something that, that you just see is an issue that they need to correct, and you circle and you circle and you circle and you circle and you never land the plane? Kind of just not really getting to the point, hoping that somehow they'll figure out what you're saying. No, there are times when you need to speak, speak plainly, but graciously, be graciously Frank, Jethro had to make his point. Exodus 18, 17 says this. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these uh, these, these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it. The graciousness that I see in there is that Jethro is expressing concern for Moses. Okay, he's expressing, this is going to wear you, this is too much, this is not right. What he's, what he's being there is true, clear, gracious, and demonstrating care. And when we speak correction to other people's lives, we need to follow that pattern. True, clear, gracious, and caring. Thirdly, undergird, don't undermine. Proper advice is constructive. It lifts the person up. It gives the person options on how to do better was not, a, not just enough to say you're doing bad, but here's a, a better way to go. Exodus eighteen twenty one. select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges. A good workable plan, because good advice is advice that has a suggestion for a good workable plan. Now, that's hints for the corrector. How about hints for the one who's being corrected? Number one, you have to eliminate pride. When it begins to well up in you, eliminate pride, because this is how God teaches us. God teaches us lessons that not only communicate the truth he wants us to know, but that cultivate humility. Both of those things are happening when we're being corrected. So you don't need to be a doormat, but you need to put pride aside. Exodus 24, Moses did that. He says, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he said. He didn't get mad. He didn't start saying, well, why aren't you talking about all the good things that I'm doing? Or how can you tell me how to do my job or stuff like that? He just received it without pride and was humble enough to change. Reject pride. Number two, ask the Lord about it. When someone comes with a piece of advice or correction, bring it to the Lord. Jethro actually brings that up in that story. Pray about it. See if this isn't good and godly advice that I'm giving you. And thirdly, see advice as a gift. Proverbs ten seventeen: he who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. It is a gift of love when a loving person comes and gives you correction in a loving way. Receive it as a gift. The gift that Jethro gave Moses made Moses' life easier and was able to bless the people in an abundant way. We need to see that gift and take it. Well, let me give you this one more image just to keep in your mind. Most of you have circuit breakers in your house, I would imagine. The electrical panel there has circuit breakers inside. The whole idea of a circuit breaker is to protect your house from damage damage when electrical things go wrong. If a lightning strike comes or there's a surge of energy, of electric into your house, the the circuit breaker will flip and not allow it to burn down your house. A circuit breaker is there so that damage doesn't occur. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to imagine that the beginning of verse nine, just that one sentence, which is easily memorized, is a circuit breaker for your soul and for your relationships. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. I want you to imagine that you're taking that sentence and installing it in your brain and installing it in your heart. And in that installation, you're saying, whenever I'm tempted to operate in an unsafe way, to respond in a way that's going to do damage, I'm going to remember this circuit breaker and seek to be the wise man. I want to be that person. And I want to be that person because I believe this. There is wisdom in receiving advice and correction, and we can all get better at being who we are. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You that Your Word gives us some so practical advice, practical insight into how we're supposed to live in relationships with each other. And Lord, there will be times, maybe at work this next week, or maybe in the meeting, in the committee that we're on, or, or wherever it's going to be, that, that these very principles will be put into place. There's going to be moments in our home and, and uh, in our families where these ideas will need to be lived out. Help us to do it with humility and with love. Help us to do it recognizing that as we obey Your Word, we are learning more about You and growing more to be like You. That's what we want. And so help us accomplish that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Let's stand together as we sing.
0: Before we leave this place, let's ask for more of Jesus this morning.
1: As always, as we're dismissed in just a moment, we have prayer counselors next to the organ by the prayer table. They're waiting to pray with and for you. Maybe there's a situation in your life for which you need prayer, a decision that you're facing, that you're praying about, or whatever it is, they would love to represent you to the Lord that they know. You slip forward as others are leaving, but first let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that... We are able to be the wise persons you call us to be. We recognize that none of us is perfect. All of us are working on these things, but filled with your Spirit, Lord, we are able to find greater growth, greater progress each and every day. So help us do that. Help us be that. Enable us, we pray, to represent you well. Dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming.